Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are just as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They're milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Betches Media presents... I would like to speak to America's men for one minute. That slacker barista. I start getting full of emotion. Now we're going to build this new bridge here. Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No, I can't. Betches Up Podcast. Like, how are people surviving? Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Sammy Sage. And this is the Betches Up Podcast, where C-SPAN meets Fight Club to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. We certainly won't be having a fight club because, of course, number one rule <laughs> of fight club is that you don't discuss it. But it sure looked like we witnessed one last Friday. A good Monday morning. I am very curious how how we all treated our speakers vote hangovers this weekend. Friday night was really – it was a late night. It was lit. Well, first I rejoice that um, C-SPAN, which has been on our tagline for years now, uh-huh. um, is finally getting some actual action because I have considered, I'm like, does anyone watch C-SPAN? Now they do. Yeah. You know, now yeah. they do. Um, but then, you know, I spent the rest of my weekend consuming some very sup-friendly content. I have two – I come with two very serious recommendations to the audience. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend everybody watch the following – First, or you could watch it in any order you like. It's mood. It's mood based. Watch based on mood. Um, the menu, which is on HBO Max, and it is like this wild, dark satire comedy, little bit of thriller. Um, that it, it. I would say the closest thing it reminds me of is Parasite. So if you enjoyed mm-hmm. Parasite, I think you will enjoy the that menu. Amazing. Yeah. And then the second thing was uh, she said. By, which is about the Harvey Weinstein story being uncovered at the New York Times. And it was it's heavy so and long. So be prepared when you're, you know, sitting down to watch that. But it was so good. Those are both on my list. I also disengaged with media over the weekend. Um, and I will be recommending everyone go see Megan. Uh, I saw Megan in theaters over the weekend, literally had the worst possible seats in the theater, which was oh, no. front row center, like looking up like this because they were the only seats left. Um, f- theater was full of teenagers living their best lives, uh, like young teens, though, like 13, mm. 14 teens. The movie is so good. It's so funny. It knows exactly what it is. It's definitely a cultural commentary oh, on... Wait parenting and tech and all of that stuff. And I I had a couple people ask me this on Insta when I said it was good, Um, just like the scariness level. I would say it leans more funny than scary. Um, And there are like, there, there are definitely scary moments. There is some blood, but it's not like really gory, really Are there a lot of jump scares? I think that's what a lot of people don't like. I can't handle those. Not I I honestly wouldn't really say they are the movie and I mean this in a good way. Like the movie is very predictable. It's a formula that we've seen a million times. So you really know what's going to happen 
99.9%. Like, it's not a movie that's about twists and turns. It's about it's a movie about taking a really familiar formula that we've seen and doing something really funny and fun and interesting with it. There are There are moments in the movie where I truly laughed out loud, was so surprised by the choices that they made. There are going to be so many Megans this Halloween. It's, it's going to be a deluge. What's like the plot? Uh, the plot is basically that um, uh, Allison Williams becomes the caretaker of her niece. Um, and her niece uh, just lost her parents and is like, you know, experiencing loss. And Allison Williams also happens to be a very high level toy maker who is developing this AI toy. So she kind of you she gives it to her niece as a way of like one testing out her toy, but also trying to help the niece deal with this trauma. And um all of the all of the traditional things of like doll comes to life plus like AI smart house robot takeover thing. Like it's a great mesh of those two genres. And it is truly laugh out loud funny. You know, I was planning to ignore Megan because it it reminded me of like a Goosebumps cover and that sort of disturbed me. So I was going <laughs> to skip it, but you actually just, you sold me on it. So it's really good. Oh yeah. It's a I, cultural I, phenomenon for sure. I totally. Really okay. To I need to watch it. Yeah. Cause well, I just wasn't sure. Cause the marketing of it was so funny. And I was, my fear was like, is the marketing going to be better than what the actual movie is? Like, does this movie actually know what it is in like this smart and sophisticated way? And it really does. And it's, it's, really funny. I I loved it. All right. We have a lot of news to discuss, so let's get Mm -hmm. right into it. We are, of course, in our opener, referring to the chaotic final night of voting in the House of Representatives, where Kevin McCarthy finally, finally took the speaker's gavel after a historic 15 rounds of voting. We're going to discuss that evening's events first and then kind of pivot to the broader significance of this fight and what we're going to see this week. So on Friday afternoon, Kevin McCarthy assured reporters that he'd made significant progress with the holdouts and would become speaker that night. So this is sort of what was happening with everything you were seeing on C-SPAN, if indeed uh, you did watch it. I took a nap from 9 to 11 and then woke up uh, at the perfect time to to catch it right when um, the, the near brawl happened, and it was exquisite. So everyone, prior to this, everyone seemed pretty surprised when on the 14th vote, Matt Gates voted present rather than voting for McCarthy, which is what was needed at the time to push McCarthy to a majority. Prior to that, Gates had reportedly told McCarthy, like a McCarthy ally, that he could eventually get the six holdouts and to vote present, but not until Monday, and they needed to adjourn. According to Politico, the the McCarthy deputies were like, this isn't going to work. People have plans to fly home. People have been here for a week. And I, just a moment to discuss that because that really stood out to me. I mean, one of the reps' wives was undergoing treatment for a newly diagnosed brain tumor. Wesley Hunt just had a baby. His wife just mm-hmm. delivered their baby and is having medical complications. Another Democratic rep appeared in the chamber hours after either like shoulder or elbow surgery. I don't even think that's all of it. But I was telling Sammy this. This just, you know, it's very funny. Like, oh, my God, LOL, these people are so old. But y- it really is sobering when you need 435 old people in a room together <laughs> or where the average age is in their 60s. It's tough. It's tough. They were basically like, no, Matt Gates, these, these elder, these seniors need to go home for the week. Yeah, these were like some real excuses. It was, um, (laughs) you know, it was, yeah. What do you think about the fact that this conveniently just 
mostly distracted from January 6th, especially because that was like the big day of all the votes and when they were, you know, actually going to finally sway the people. Yeah. I mean, that was like really present on my mind because I was watching a lot on Friday during the day and eventually they cut away to President Biden commemorating January 6th, giving medals to various people who were involved not only on the day, but like he gave a citizen's medal to like those election workers who were threatened Mm -hmm. and harassed. Um, The the guy from Arizona who didn't rescind the votes or whatever Trump wanted him to do. And it was that was the part that like honestly bummed me out and is why I kind of stopped watching on Saturday. Like I, I kind of stopped watching the news at that point because I was just like, it's such I mean, bummer is like not even strong enough a word, but like it's so wild to me that on the very anniversary of this horrible thing that happened where a lot of the majority of the people who were actually involved in fomenting it have not been brought to justice. In fact, they were allowed to remain in office. Those are the very people who are creating this chaos on the floor. And it's like, well, yeah, we know that these people don't care about the U.S. government functioning. We know they don't care if our Congress is working the way that it should. They were pro an insurrection just two years ago. So it was ironic, but in a really sad and depressing way. Well, the one, I guess, silver lining is that even though January 6th didn't get to, you know, have its day in the sun, its big second anniversary, I do think that in some way it almost doesn't matter or it won't end up mattering because just because this may have been their play, I don't think that the American people suddenly have like changed their opinion, which has been reflected in the past two voter cycles, that they just aren't into this at all. When you think about, yes, the Republicans did get a very small majority in the House, but when you think about what they like should have gotten, it is very, very small, overwhelmingly voters rejected election deniers. So I don't think that people are really like going to forget the insurrection just because like they did this stunt. In fact, the stunt just did more to confirm what exactly people already believed and were sick of. So in my hope is that, and I've started to become a little bit more confident in this, is that people are savvy and maybe they're not like engaged in, and enraged all the time, but they're aware of what is happening. Especially if Kevin McCarthy made promises to some of these election deniers, to people that objected to the certification of the election, there are many of them, to be on rules committees, to be on high-ranking committees. Like, I think it will be important for, like like you said, Sammy, like I think this this midterm cycle, even though Republicans did take take the House, it did show that at least election denial uh, was not popular. So as yeah. much as we can continue to harp on that, like I'm already like the second those committee assignments get get announced, you, we need to blow out, you know, this this lead this lead person was there was in this place on January 6th to show that like those people are still still in there and un unrepentant. And Kevin McCarthy was like, sure, sure, whatever you want. Yeah. And I and I totally like I was personally bummed watching it play out mm. on like a 
like a civic student, like sometimes yeah. like the eighth grade civic student in me is like, but the Congress, like that bummed yeah. me out. But I do agree with what you're saying, Sammy. I think I felt after this midterms, I had like a paradigm shift where I used to be, I used to really feel like people don't see what's going on. They're not paying attention. After these midterms, I'm like, no, people might not be paying attention to the minute details and the way that we do for our jobs and because we're interested, but like people do get the broad strokes and like the chaos of what this was to elect him a house speaker absolutely broke through. Um, as far as like, I think average Americans knew that this was getting really crazy and average Americans are going to see in their feed pictures of people having a fist fight on the house floor and just the, the chaos of all of it. Mm -hmm. And I do think some of the rejection of Trump that we saw in 2020 was also a rejection of chaos. People are sick of our government not functioning and being a joke and we're going to get into it. But like this chaos that occurred over this weekend, it portends two years of absurd chaos that these people have literally promised (laughs) will occur um, with regards to like important bills, the debt ceiling, all of this stuff, we're going to be seeing more and more ridiculousness on a large scale. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that they wasted, Republicans wasted like no time at all in showing how ridiculous they are willing to be. I mean, like we said last week, this is supposed to be like the, the easiest thing that they did. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Okay, so what happened after that? They were like, no, we need to get this done now. So after that, uh, basically, that's when we saw 
it potentially come come to blows on the House floor. So Gates is like, I'm not Gates is like, I understand that people want to go home, but I specifically am not going to be the vote that gives this to you. And I can't get any other of these six to do that yet. And this is that's the conversation when we saw Kevin approach Matt Gates on the floor. And apparently he said, you know, Politico gets all of the 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 dirt. Matt, you made your point. Let's let's get people home. Like we have to get people home. We need to get this done. This incensed Representative Mike Rogers, who is the one who then confronted Gates and was held back by a colleague, I believe, Rep Hudson. So this is the moment that exploded the internet. I gotta okay. My do you think he was really gonna hit him? Like, did he lunge at him? I don't want to belittle male violence, but I was just telling Mike, I was like, if I ever approach somebody and I seem angry, please do not pull me back by my mouth because that's gonna make it look so much worse. Like, if I were Mike Rogers, I would be furious at my friend for making me look even more unhinged. Again, I don't want to belittle, like that might have been a triggering moment for people who have like when men get angry, it's scary. But to me, I was just like, I don't know. Like, I think his friend made it much worse. I kind of visually, without any sound or knowing what they were saying and what he had said a moment earlier, I um, couldn't tell you. But based on what I saw, it just looked like he was coming towards him and like yelling. Mm-hmm. But who knows if he had said to his friend a minute earlier, like, I'm going to punch him in the face. Like, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. But I agree that it looked oh, like more of an altercation yeah. because uh, his because the guy grabbed him by his mouth when he wasn't like – his velocity was not fast enough mm-hmm. to warrant the full mouth pull. But who knows what he was saying <laughs> exactly. on the ground. So if yes. he's saying, like, I'm going to beat him up, Sure. But right. like, if he's just kind of like, tonight we saw a man with a, t- a toupee placidly gesture towards Matt Gates. Yeah. But yeah, that's an excellent way to put it. It looked like this person was like, the guy pulling him back was like aware of a, very aware of a potential for something. I did see that like, you know, Democrats say that they weren't drinking, but I did hear that there was a drinking on the Republican side late on Friday. Apparently they were positioned in a way to literally keep Gates from leaving uh, to try to try to get that done. But Regardless, I think, like Elise was saying, it was a real, just like as an American who cares about the processes and who cherishes what our government is capable of, like just to see that happen is shitty. So I did pull a quote because I remembered reading this on Jezebel and I just pulled it up. Um, Okay. So a bunch of articles do describe that there was a lunge. I don't Mm. know what level of lunge. C-SPAN pulled away really fast. (laughs) But Rep Tim Burchett, who is a Republican of Tennessee, who it is described as finding himself in the middle of this altercation told CNN people shouldn't be drinking on the house floor, especially if you're a redneck. <laughs> and that's from someone from Tennessee. So that's, <laughs> Oh my God. Oh no. That's I mean, it's gotta be out not against the rules, right? Like, I do also add There are no that, rules, Amanda. Uh, yeah, true. Um, I like that Burchett, <laughs> this rep from Tennessee also added and he's referring to Rogers, I would drop him like a bag of dirt. Nobody's going to put their hands on me. <laughs> so I like that he was like, and he's and he's glad, I'm glad he didn't come for me because I would have dropped him. <laughs> just like, you guys are fucking crazy. This is the result of gerrymandering. That's mm-hmm. what you get. You get like just the craziest exactly. person on your block mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. your representative. Yeah. Apparently they've made up. They have since like apologized like, Rod, they tweeted, you know, mutual uh, forgivenesses. Matt Gates is like, we should all be forgiven for, you know, one animated moment on the house floor. But it's like, you know that if like 
if any any Democrat had a moment that even came close to that animated, uh, we would not we would not be. There is like a storied history of people of men fighting each other on the Mm -hmm. House floor. There's like one there's like a Civil War one where some guy got so enraged about someone making an Mm anti-slavery thing that he beat, beat him with a cane. So, you know, they're 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 uh, hearkening back to American history with some of this. I mean, Parliament, British Parliament does this regularly, despite being like the most repressed society emotionally that I think we, you know, maybe not the most, but one one on the top. You know, they do this all the time. And it's, you know, the the rules must be the only thing really keeping people in line, which to me is just pretty wild when it's, Uh you know, not just like your own prefrontal cortex doing the work. Totally, yeah. totally. I, and yeah, on that note, now they have to – now Kevin McCarthy has to work with the Lawless Caucus to develop a rules package that may mean that lawless we don't get Caucus. see – That's a lawless, good – The Lawless Caucus. That means we we might not get our C-SPAN cameras uh, in exactly the same places and the same access. But this is really like having all of your worst coworkers write the employee handbook, like literally. The package is going to determine, I think broadly, how much leadership can really muscle things into getting done versus needing input, direct input from the caucus, notably the House Freedom Caucus. It seems like a lot of promises that McCarthy made to people involved diluting his own power. Some of these sound, you know, not too bad, like important, like ensuring lawmakers have 72 hours to read legislation rather than the leaders just like finishing last minute and needing an urgent yes vote. We definitely saw this a lot with Democrats, like, you know, down to the wire, super important vote, getting pushed. And I I understand that that's not a position that they want to be in. But also they, uh, of course, they say that they want to let a single Republican lawmaker vacate the chair. So basically they can say at any time, like, let's have a vote on if Kevin should stay. And if even if he wins that, those votes, it still slows things down. It still is going to influence his behavior. And isn't this how, I think this is how John Boehner ultimately went, is that they were going to vacate him. So it's not a good political position to be in, to be defending your literally right to be your right to be there all of the time. They also want to allow Kevin to allow any lawmaker to offer amendments to spending bills once they hit the floor, which will also just slow things down. And it basically just sounds like he's going to be leading with a knife to his throat, like at any time if they don't like what he's doing. So they're going to vote on this tonight. One thing to watch for specifically is obviously concerns over spending. These are Republicans. But one interesting thing is that one concession that McCarthy agreed to would result in reduced defense spending. And that's all that Republicans really like. So now you've got some Republicans saying like, well, I won't agree to these rules because it's reduced military military spending. So what position, uh, Sammy, what's your kind of like analysis of what this, this first, you know, first week at work foretells for the next, the next two years, what can Kevin McCarthy do? What leverage does he have? What's negative leverage? Well, just, just taking a step back and looking at like what we can expect from the house of representatives generally, all these things that they want to do, they don't actually have the power to pass things that will affect the American people probably for in terms of legislation. Right. I, I don't want to speak in terms of appropriations bills, which is funding, which is actually very much in their power because Democrats have the Senate, they have the White House. So they're not going to, you know, make a nationwide don't say gay bill, for example, like that, that kind of thing is out of the question. But they do have a lot of power to create political theater. And you know that they will not shy away from that. And then that becomes like a media coverage question as well as like a right wing ecosystem question. And it's also just obviously going to be very bad for the cultural conversation for anything, you know, anything productive to actually get done. And even when things that are productive get done, it will degrade the effect of that. 
In terms of Kevin McCarthy, he is a what an embarrassment of a human. Like just on a human level, <clears throat> imagine that like you have a group of friends and it was like one person can just vote to kick you out, like and the others are banned from speaking to you. Like imagine if that were that's not how life works and the fact that nothing even in like a family, group of siblings, whatever it is, like it's actually insane that this elected official is is governed agreed to himself be under this pressure for one person to decide that they want to make a motion to vacate who know you are like giving yourself up to like you, you might just had just 20 like yourself- say for 5 days no 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 20 of them it's this is not it's not a little a little margin of people that aren't, you know, going to do whatever he wants for the party. It's a big, the, big group. The of level of chaos that this one thing alone can create is just is is I can't even predict it. Like there's yeah. going to be so many different like X factors, things that are going to come up because he allowed this to do this. To is that bad for the country, but good for Democrats politically? I don't think this is good at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, I mean, again, I do think people don't appreciate the chaos. I do think the chaos will be squarely blamed on them. But when it comes to things like they're very clearly gearing up to try and not raise the debt ceiling again, which the last time we did this under Obama, the debt ceiling is money that we have already spent. It has to be raised or we default on our debts. We get our like shit downgraded, like actually bad things happen. And we're in a period of time where the global economy in general is very unstable and we're going into a period of like recession and all of this stuff. So to have a party that is actually this irresponsible and that has demonstrated that like they really can't be reasoned with like yes we did eventually get kevin mccarthy as speaker but um he basically had to give up half the role to get it so it's just what what is frightening to me is that these are the same people who in a couple months or whenever it happens are gonna say we won't raise the debt ceiling we just won't Mm -hmm. and if kevin mccarthy tries we'll recall him So now he's in a position where it's like he can't even bring the debt ceiling to the floor without being recalled. And these are people who, again, have shown us. They showed us two years ago. They're showing us now. They literally don't care if our government functions. And we do need the government to function. We do. We we need it to work. Underrated fact. So, you know... Mm -hmm. Do I think that maybe it'll ultimately be good for Democrats in an in an election? Yeah, but um the chaos in the meantime is like like we need the government to function in yeah. between elections even if the Republicans have the house. I also think now that we're talking about it, I can easily see people saying, "Well, aren't you know, Democrats have had to get in the way and stop so many um potentially catastrophic things from happening that there will be plenty of times where people are like, "Well, why are Democrats letting this happen?" Um, even though, like Sammy said, a lot of it is like they're not going to be able to pass a national abortion ban. They're not going to be able to do uh, don't say gay, but it will be um, hopefully witnessing that chaos will will show people that maybe for whatever reason fell on deciding that they 
that gas prices meant that they wanted Republicans in Congress that um, won't, they won't have the same mindset in 2024. Also, another big story, which we did talk about last week, but the world is still eagerly awaiting the release of Prince Harry's memoir, Spare. But some of the juiciest details are already out, thanks to the book accidentally hitting shelves in Spain a bit early. Just imagine being (laughs) the person who put it on that Spanish shelf a week early. And now we all know that he had a frostbitten penis a week earlier than we might have otherwise. (laughs) Oh, my God. We, we talked about the physical attack last week, but um, these these notes are a little a little lighter. What is I'm curious. What's something you learned about Prince Harry this weekend that you didn't need to know? The frostbite in penis is definitely up there. Um, I honestly didn't need his kill count totally. from Afghanistan, which yeah. especially yeah. not in the same book, not in the same listicle. Yeah, it's uh, the you know again team H and M forever, but the book is messy. <laughs> the uh, the 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 frostbitten penis is really overshadowing everything for me right now. But I definitely didn't need to know. I didn't need Harry to reveal that his brother is circumcised. Like that mm. is just not the whole thing. Just seems so messy, and I feel. Look, I feel for him as a human person who has gone through a very complex and in many ways challenging life that none of us can truly understand. But I wish, and I know that they need money for their security and whatnot, but I wish, now they're definitely going to need it for their security. (laughs) uh, I I do wish that he had waited till he had processed this trauma more Mm. so that he could have, I would say, like a more... Um, thoughtful or maybe purposeful um, approach to the things he was revealing in service of his point, because now I'm afraid that the point he made, which is that it's inhumane to like designate a human being as like the spare mm-hmm. for like a mm-hmm. figurehead of a government. Um, I That is very inhumane, I would say generally, but that is all getting lost amidst Kate yes. Middleton not wanting to share her lip gloss. Like mm-hmm. this and and if he had waited, I think to get a little more distance from this moment, he could have like had a way better um situation generally. I also think that the best revenge is living well, and if they had mm-hmm. just left the fucking documentary as their last word, they would have been just like perfect until he then later process this shit and wrote the book like yeah it's like this is there's i appreciate their transparency this has bled into i will say a quite extreme oversharing and it's like these (laughs) are not the questions we all have questions for harry about his upbringing i um didn't really need to know specifically that he lost his virginity to a woman who quote liked horses quite a lot and treated me not unlike a young stallion i mounted her quickly after which she spanked my ass and sent me away these are not. Things I didn't I, hear that. The, yeah, these are the yeah, details are messy. I'm surprised Megan wasn't like wasn't like H honey. I don't think that yeah, needs to I be am in like, there. Did he, did he give Megan a copy of this? Because I am very okay. Number one, I do think it's a little. I side eye him. I side eye him trying to put the Nazi uniform thing on Will and Kate. Totally. I think that it's like okay. Like, if Will and Kate told you to jump off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge, too? Like, you <laughs> you wore it, and you've apologized. And he's apologized, I think, sincerely many times. And so that felt like a little bit of a backtrack to me. 
And then it also goes back to the point I was making when we talked about the physical altercation, which is it's just very funny to me that all of this happened because all these people in the British media and the royal family tried to make Meghan out to be this crazy drama queen who's so aggressive and abrasive. And then it's like, the drama, the Windsors are the drama. The, the Windsors Amen. are always their own drama. Megan. Harold and Willie are the drama. They are like, like Harry is the messy one. Megan Markle's, and this is, Sammy and I have talked about this online. Like Megan Markle's PR understanding is immaculate. She always has, you can tell when she's talking in the documentary. And I think it's what people find sometimes off-putting or like ingenuine about her. She has that like, she is thinking about the PR of it always. Uh, it's at the front of her mind and it's for good reason. So it's very funny to me, again, that she is supposedly the diva when he's the one who's like, and you're bald yeah. and you're ugly. You <laughs> <laughs> like, called how his, his brother's hair loss alarming. <laughs> I saw, I saw Hello, Teffy did, did a TikTok that was like, I would rather be called ugly than alarming. alarming. Well, it's like not alarming. It's very much genetic and like look like just so what? If that is like the also, least alarming if, But if your brother's inbred, you're inbred, sir. Like, and I, you know, <laughs> he says in the book, what, which what becomes abundantly clear by the end that like he is not currently speaking to his father or his brother. It does sound like he had, you know, everything that the crown and everything has shown us, like his his father could not be a less warm individual. He said he didn't hug him when he told him his mother died. He said when his Prince Philip died. He told his sons, please, boys, don't make my final years full of misery. Like, this man is not a good dad, not a good person. Harry's like, I've done every drug to try to figure shit out. But yeah, I, I think, I, th you know, this this book doesn't read like somebody who has fully processed their trauma in a healthy way. Like, this would have been a diary if he wrote it. Like, this stuff was happening in 2021. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, it from a, hum a human standpoint, I have a lot of empathy for him for the things that he has experienced that you just described. Plus, plus also he's very lucky. Let's not like put this, put this like, yes. come on, like of all the shitty lives you could have, like his is one of the better shitty lives. If he wasn't you know? writing this in spare, he would be doing it, you know, on a, as a, in stand-up comedy. Like he would be processing this trauma. Right. Most people who have this sort of, um, these sort of issues and trauma while they're going through things, they're not just like given a book deal. They have the protection of not having the ability to just be like, can I have a book deal, daddy? Like, you know, it's it, that for most people that that's the reason why they, they, you know, put these sorts of things out later because they, you know, don't just can't just like call an agent yeah. and be like, here's my book lady. Like, right. it's just very, Okay, I also wonder if because he was so like repressed in what he was allowed to like share and do and say, if he believes like, oh, this is like what real authenticity and transparency yeah. means and just like burn it all down at like any expense. Because honestly, a week before this all came out, he was saying how he wants his father and brother back. To me, this will make it never the same because of the things never. he said, because they're just irreparable. So many of them. I don't know how you come back from the physical attack thing. And the, the castle has said, you know, we're not commenting on this, but I don't know. I don't know how you come back from Just that. Just like the embarrassment details, big and small, it makes him look so bad. But I'm excited to read it. Downloading it at midnight. 
Yeah, and it is just, I mean, it is just so funny to me, again, that Meghan Markle, who is the energetic equivalent of an Instagram story of a sunset, <laughs> is like the reason that sparked all of yeah. this. And it's just, again, it's like, she's actually so perfectly suited to that weird job, which is to mm-hmm. like show up, make a completely clean and non-controversial statement look nice in the clothes, wave at the people, be warm, go home. But because of racism and all of this stuff, they just like, I just feel like Meghan Markle was like the softest ball that could have been thrown to them to quote unquote diversify the monarchy. And they fumbled it. Like they, they lit the ball on fire. Like it's just (laughs) so, yeah, it's it's just interesting to me that when Harry comes out with his first kind of like solo project, it's this messy. Mm-hmm. And all of her I stuff, know. even the Oprah interview, that is what she's still that's my very question. like yeah. she's together. She doesn't she doesn't do this. Right. Do they not have like a joint? I don't know. It's like because whoever published this book had no incentive to remove the unflat. They were like all of it. All of it goes in. But it's just strange that he has nobody who's – he's so used to having, like, the institution's PR to protect the institution and his family that it's like, dude, it's okay to, like – it's okay to have a little bit of privacy. It's okay to have a little bit of a personal boundary. You don't have to talk about your, like, family's circumcision and the precise number of Taliban militants you killed. Literally, general, generals are like, please don't tell people that. We don't do that. It's not, it's not good. People know where you live. Fight like, club again. You don't yeah. talk about that. Don't talk about that. Here's the thing. I actually think if the documentary had been the last word, people would have just like let them live in peace. Yes. Now he pissed off so many people. I never thought I would say that I do feel a little bit like Harry and Meghan are right now overexposed. And I'm surprised. Oh, yeah. And like, it's his fault. Yeah. Every time I see another headline, it's about his sex life or his penis or him saying something like bizarre. Also, if I were Megan, I wouldn't want that baby brain comment in there. Like she said that Kate – like I think they were trying to make Kate look irrational. But I guess there was like one point where they were having a conversation and Duchess Kate forgot something and Megan said like, oh, maybe it's baby brain. Which like fair – you probably don't want to hear that when you're a mom. But – it's not the it's not like unforgivable, but Harry brings it up in the context of like her getting enraged about it at a later like summit, like saying like you were not close enough for you to say that to me, which is sort of like, you know, you choose your battles with people, you know, like I get why she didn't want to hear that. But even it's like, did Megan read this book before it went out? Well, I kind of feel that everything between Megan and Kate ultimately kind of comes down to like a cultural misunderstanding. In, in a lot of ways. Like, I think they're just two very different women with two very different approaches. And they took offense to each other's approach because of the situation that they were in and like other and and the effect of the media pitting them against each other and also whatever was happening between the brothers. Like, but I think that if circumstances were different, like they could have gotten to understand each other, but it just wasn't going to be like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, situation. I mean, imagine like, because I, I think you're right that like Kate Middleton is, she was technically like a commoner or whatever, but she's like a a girl who was kind of raised for a long time to like become Prince William's girlfriend and then wife. Yeah, And that's like, she's a posh British girl. And Meghan Markle is, as they described in the documentary, like she's this kind of like Cali boho like chic gal who like wants to hug and stuff so it's like 
you have two women who maybe naturally like wouldn't necessarily right. like yeah. mesh. And then so it's like imagine meeting your future sister-in-law and you guys don't necessarily get a hun- get each other, but you're trying to make it work. But then also all of the tabloids are like publishing and like promoting your drama yeah. and making it worse and like like right. inflaming a relationship that was maybe like not ever naturally going to be the closest just because they're two really different types of people. Um and but it all gets inflamed in the like it feels very the Megan and Kate drama feels very much like two sisters in law who are kind of forced to figure out how to get along with each other. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, that doesn't really reflect poor that that badly in my mind on any on either of them. If anything, I'm like, oh, that was nothing. Like, who cares? Right. About like, any OK, of I don't think that like. I don't think that – like I know – I would casually ask to use somebody's lip gloss. I know plenty of people who would kind of be grossed out by that. And it's not like – it doesn't mean that Kate's like a villain. It is just also that sort of like clash. But that's such a good way of putting it. Like just – there are just some people – it's like women supporting women. But sometimes like people just like for whatever reason, it's like you're not going to connect. And to have that amplified, not just by the press, but then your brother, your husband's causing all of this drama, being the source of all of the drama. Like, yeah, of course. Like it, it gets amplified. Like these two anecdotes about the baby brain and the lip gloss on their own are not at all worth mentioning. They are completely insignificant. But in the broader context of these brothers attacking each other, I guess it can be raised. Well, now I'm kind of glad they're in there because now I actually understand that what it re- what it really was totally. and how not actually consequential or deep it was. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like, okay, they're just different people. These two people were never going to be like that close, you know? It just- yeah. And I think – and I mean when you hear more about Harry, it's like he was also never going to be in this life for, for very long. Like I think Megan was the perfect person to help escort him out of it, but she she didn't force him out. He was on his way out. He, he, he blew this up on himself. He truly spared no detail. So uh, I guess we'll get beyond <laughs> the Spanish version no of that tomorrow. That is our show. Until the end of Democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman for Sammy Sage and Elise Morales. This is the Revenge of Stuff podcast. The Duchess of Podcast is produced by Amanda Duerman, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Rebecca Sousmacat. Social media by Amanda Duberman and Bridget Swartz. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails at suppod at betches.com. Betches.